Coming up today on the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Aside from some spiritual reasons, some people were traumatized early in life and they get really bothered by these type of images. And that can sort of work like glue in your brain and you remember those memories. And if you're too young, it can be quite traumatizing and something you'll never forget in a kind of a bad way. The Dr. Linda Mental Show is next. everyone and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host Chris Weigel. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and we're always so glad you joined us. It's great to be with you this weekend, <laughs> oh, Dr. No. Linda. <laughs> we have a fun topic to talk about today. Our show... Wasn't that scary, by the way? It, it was a little weird, oh. <laughs> but I don't know about scary. It was supposed to be scary. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, it was, of course. <laughs> well, that's what the show about is about today. It's about scary things. And we usually think about this around Halloween, which seems to be, you know, a scare fest. But people like scary things, like horror movies and, and skydiving and all kinds of stuff. I know. I know. It's interesting how many people like to be scared on purpose. Yes. And so we thought we would look into this. And, you know, I learned a few things when I was looking at research. There actually is research on these type of things. Research on scary things? Yes. Oh, and okay. I was looking into it and I thought, oh, there's some things here I didn't know. So I, it was kind of fun, actually, to look into this topic. Well, I had heard that Halloween is actually the second highest holiday in terms of spending due to the costumes and the candy and the parties and, and everything. Is that true? Well, this is one of the things I learned because I have seen that every single year on the internet and mm -hmm. on the internet sites. But I went to Snopes, and guess what, Chris? It's a myth. Ah. Busted. Christmas is number one. <laughs> Yay, God. Yes, right. <laughs> and we actually spend more on Super Bowl than ah. Halloween. The second place prize for spending goes to an event that's not even really a holiday. Mm -hmm. Can you have any guesses what that could be? Uh... You're looking at your script, so um, you're probably going to guess. Back to school. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and then you have Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, Easter, Father's Day, rounding out the list. Halloween only ranks above St. Patrick's Day in terms of spending. Actually, that's encouraging because I did read that lots of people spend money dressing up their pets at Halloween. One statistic I saw said 22 million people will play dress up with their pets spending an estimated $330 million on costumes. Now, did you wow. did you dress up, Zoe, your poodle? <laughs> I never did. And I, I'm going to guess that neither of your dogs will get an expensive no. costume. No, no. <laughs> Somehow I just knew that. Yeah. Actually, the top costumes for pets in 2020 were in this order. A pumpkin, uh, a hot dog, <laughs> oh a superhero, and then a cat, and then... A bumblebee. So if your pet is a cat, I guess you wouldn't pick cat. You'd pick hot dog or right, something yeah, like that. Yeah. What were the top picks for kids? Okay, princess, Spider-Man, okay. a superhero of some yeah, sort. Yeah, that makes sense. A ghost, and then Batman. I think ghost is in there only because you can take a sheet and you can cut out eyes, and it's probably the easiest costume for non-sewing moms like me to make. Mm -hmm. But I just don't like any of those creepy costumes for kids. 
Lots of adults, though, love to dress up in costumes, and they love to be scared. The top costumes for adults were witch, vampires, cat again, (laughs) Batman again, and ghost. What is it with all the cat costumes, by the way? What is that? (laughs) Well, we know that not everyone celebrates Halloween, and, and churches have lots of alternatives that allow kids to dress up, but maybe not like you know, something scary. So my son was John the Baptist one year. (laughs) He was. We didn't, we just didn't let our kids choose those creepy and dark costumes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to spark any kind of interest in stuff that can scare kids early on in their life. And, you know, Chris, we do believe as people of faith, we do believe in spiritual darkness. So again, I didn't want anything to do with that when they had you know, something in school or in the neighborhood or stuff. I thought people are fascinated with dark and scary things, and I don't want to promote that kind of interest with my children. And look at all the movies and TV shows that aim to scare you. But, you know, they often give kids nightmares. And I just can't tell you how many parents I saw with their kids in therapy because they were having nightmares. Mm. And often the culprit was being exposed to scary movies. When the movie Aladdin came out, now that was years ago, Mm -hmm. the first time it came out, but that's when my kids were young. I didn't read up on it. I just took the recommendation of a friend to see it. And I took my son when he was like five years old. And I thought, okay, it's Disney, right? Right. Well, the first scene, if you've ever seen that movie, is really scary. It's this big, demonic character coming out of the ground with Mm -hmm. the surround sound. And it was terrifying, and he got really scared. I quickly took his hand, moved him out of the theater, and I vowed to be more vigilant mm-hmm. in terms of what I exposed you know, my kids to in the, in the future. That was really a parenting mistake that I didn't make again. We've seen our Matthew, when you know, as a five-year-old, he would be scared of scenes in Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> yeah, so you've got to be sensitive to yeah. that, you know? Yeah, I'm quite surprised at how many parents let their kids watch scary stuff because the child's brain can't process like an adult. Like I said, a scene from Little House on the Prairie was too much for him. Yeah, you know, I'm really impressed that you're learning from this show, that oh. you would know that about the difference between child brain and adult brain. Oh, of course. That's yes. really great. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exactly right. Look, we have a lot of anxious kids right now And watching scary movies and TV is not helpful when it comes to keeping their anxiety down. I remember, Chris, watching The Wizard of Oz and being Mm -hmm. terrified by those flying monkeys. Oh, yeah. I actually had dreams and nightmares about that. (laughs) And I didn't watch that movie again until I was way into my adult years. Right. It was last year, I think, was the first time you could could (laughs) watch it. I could handle it. But, you know, you need to know your child. And I would say play it safe. Don't allow a lot of scary stuff into their brains. They can develop sleep disturbances, obsessional thinking. They can become, you know, afraid of the dark. These are just some of the common side effects of watching something that is sort of mismatched to your child's developmental age Mm. and sometimes even their temperament. So my son, Matt, is very sensitive to things. So I would not expose him to things that maybe a, a different type of temperament kid might be able to handle. But if you're not sure, just don't have them watch scary things. So what does the research say about this? Well, children are more likely to experience long-term fears after a scary movie if they're younger, if they have graphic depictions of blood and injury, Mm -hmm. and if they did not want to see the movie, but they went along with it because they felt like someone else was pressuring them to see it. We have that situation in our house because Matthew is five, but the girls are 13 and 10. So they're like, oh, come on, Matthew, it's fine, and may not be. Let's go through this developmentally and start with preschoolers. Preschoolers are easily frightened by scary images that Mm -hmm. do not have to be particularly even realistic. 
it's very important to restrict the type of programs that they watch, provide distraction and physical comfort when they're faced with a scary scene. And at these ages, explaining that the show is not real right. doesn't help them because they don't really get the difference yet between those things. That is true. And when I've seen Matthew, again, Little House on the Prairie, seemingly harmless. When he starts to feel that, he, he goes and sits with mom. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, what about the school-age kids? Well, school-age kids are typically scared by more realistic portrayals of scary events or kind of when there's familiar and safe things that are in a movie turn bad because hmm. uh, they can relate to it. They begin to evaluate that and what they're seeing on the screen. Now, they can use some logic to help reassure them that what they're seeing in the movie is not real. And when that happens, it helps to explain how unlikely that scary thing is in terms of really happening to them. But still, those images are in their heads. Right. Those children in the 7 to 10-year range will commonly have fears associated with getting hurt by a bad guy or a stranger. And that's why watching a movie in which there's a child their own age or older mm. that is threatened or harmed may cause them distress, even if your child seems fine or argues that it doesn't bother them. Just watch them for cues of distress. And if your child is a little bit older, between the ages of like 13, 11 and 13, and watches something scary but says, oh, it's not scary, but then comes to you at night wanting to sleep closer to you and is having a nightmare, you know it was too much. Mm. What about the teens who like to see scary things? <laughs> I think we have to remember there's a lot of sexual content in many horror movies. And females are often portrayed as victims. You know, I would preview the movie to see if it's appropriate, but still consider your child as these images are shaping their thinking about relationships and spiritual things. That is true. You have to be very careful. Some kids are more sensitive than, than yeah, other kids. Yeah, guarding your heart and your mind. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to uh, scare anyone right now, but we do need to take a break. Uh, when we return, let's shift our focus to adults. Why do the adults like scary things? Conflict is a part of every healthy relationship. How you deal with conflict is what will either grow or destroy relationships. Do you avoid? Maybe you become highly emotional and then regret what you said or did. Getting control of our emotions is not always easy, but it is possible. Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel, and I wrote the book, We Need to Talk, in order to help all of us deal better with conflict. We Need to Talk, available at bookstores and online where books are sold. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. And just a reminder that you can follow Dr. Linda on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Linda Mental, and on Facebook, Dr. Linda Mental, author and speaker. And you can listen to and share the weekly podcasts. They air on MyFaithRadio.com, but also on your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental Podcast or go to MyFaithRadio.com. And one of Dr. Linda's books that will help with today's topic is Letting Go of Worry, which is available on Amazon or at Dr. Linda's website. And do I need to give the website again, Dr. Linda? It's really easy. It's my name. DrLindaMental.com. <laughs> yes, you got it. All right. Let's get back to the why some people like to be scared. <laughs> well, not everybody does. I'm one of those people. I avoid mm -hmm. horror movies and books because I have enough things in my life, Chris, to think about without adding that stuff to my <laughs> life. That's kind of how I look at it. Well, you can turn on the news and say... Yeah, you can be scared. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there are people who enjoy being scared. There was a great article in The Atlantic a while back that talked about this. Uh, the researcher's name was David Zald. 
but he showed that people differ in their chemical responses to thrilling situations. So one of the main hormones released during scary and thrilling scenes activates a neurotransmitter in the brain that's called dopamine. Mm -hmm. And you might have heard of that. It's the feel-good kind of transmitter. And it turns out that some individuals may get more of enjoyment from this dopamine response than others do. I can guess that I'm not one of those people. Mm, sounds like it. Yeah, but basically what we're saying is that some people's brains lack what the researcher described as breaks on that dopamine release and that reuptake that happens in the brain, meaning that some people are going to really enjoy thrilling, scary, and risky situations, while other people, not so much. Mm. I think with me, it sort of uh, depends on the situation. Really? I was yeah. going to ask you, are you kind of one of those people who gets like thrilled with scary stuff? I wouldn't say thrilled, but let's say, you know, a crazy roller coaster. Okay. That's okay. that's great. Okay. You know, I've heard also that people say they feel a sense of confidence when the scary situation is over. Yeah. For some people, that's really true. They think that they have watched a scary movie and they think, yes, I did it. <laughs> I made it all the way to the end. And so that kind of feels like a boost in their self-esteem, or even for some people, it feels like sort of a resiliency thing. Mm. But again, you know, self-scaring isn't for everyone. And there are lots of psychological and personal reasons someone may not enjoy those scary situations. There are plenty of other ways to booster, you know, your self-esteem and confidence. Let's go back to the, the people who feel confident. They have that boost after experiencing something scary. I've watched people's body language. When you're in line for the uh, roller coaster, yeah. the people who have finished riding, they get to come back, you know, like you can see it in their walk sometimes. They are so proud of themselves because yeah. we just conquered this roller coaster. So maybe that's what's happening in their heads. Yeah, I think that's it. But, you know, aside from some spiritual reasons, which don't relate to roller coasters, but some of the sort of darker, scarier things that we've mentioned, mm -hmm. we'll talk about that a little bit later. Some people were traumatized early in life and they get really bothered by these type of images and they get these chemicals in the brain that are released with the fight or flight, you know, when you're scared. And that can sort of work like glue in your brain and it mm -hmm. and you remember those memories. They're called like flashbulb memories in the brain of these scary experiences. And if you're too young to know that the monsters are fake, it can be quite traumatizing and something you'll never forget in a kind of a bad way. So that's one of the other reasons why some kids respond differently, because mm. they've had some scary experiences. So what actually does happen in the brain when we are scared? Well, it triggers that fight or flight response, which is that danger signal that we all need, but it sets off a cascade of all kinds of chemicals. But if you feel safe, it's not bad. And our brain knows then that it's not a real threat. It kind of calms down. Our culture seems to be obsessed with death. People who are not believers have a hard time wrapping their mind around what happens when they die. Doesn't that kind of make sense about why we get all these kind of weird vampire and right. you know zombie movies and all of that? It just sort of makes sense if you have no way to think about death. And this is really why cultures create famous monsters or they have their own version of the living dead, whether that's those zombies or vampires that we just mentioned or ghosts. You know, without God, people want to imagine a life that goes on after they die or they imagine living forever. Even if it means being a zombie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Well, Christians don't have to imagine. We know what happens in death. And maybe that's why we are not that really interested in scary things. We have a sure foundation and we know how our story ends. It's not scary. But I do like a roller coaster. I know. And I think that's, you know, it's a different type of scary. It's not related to dark things. 
things. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that it's only in the last few centuries in our country that scaring ourselves has become something we do for fun or for profit. And it's become this highly sought after experience. Now that's where we're talking about some of the roller coasters right, or yeah. skydiving. Again, back to the roller coasters, Disney rides, and those rides known as thrillers, in addition to the horror films. Do you like those? No. <laughs> I avoid them. There's I a, get sick on roller coasters. There's a little uh, amusement park where I grew up. <laughs> yeah. And um, they have this these little miniature roller coasters. Yeah. It's sort of like a permanently installed county fair type thing. But one is a haunted house. And this thing rolls you through this haunted house and all these scary things pop out. And you can hear people screaming when they're when they're back yeah. in there. It's scary, but it is kind of fun. Well, I just hate that stuff. <laughs> I'm just going to say. <laughs> but I know there are lots of people who feel that these are challenging, those rides. They get an adrenaline rush. I must not have that chemistry because that doesn't happen to me. I just go, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. You know, I've done it. I've gone on these scary roller coaster rides just because I felt pressured. But it's really something to think about when we're afraid. We're releasing a lot of powerful hormones. And one of them is oxytocin. And mm -hmm. you might remember that hormone because it really sticks in our brains and bonds us to people we're with. So if you think about it, when people have gone through a very scary experience together, they remember the people who went through it with them. Mm -hmm. You feel fond of that person. You feel close to them, more so if you met them in some kind of neutral, unexciting event. So one of the things I read when I was doing this, Chris, was if you really want to bond with a date, take her on a scary, emotional roller coaster <laughs> ride. I thought, okay, that wouldn't work for me. But You may bond with her, but you may never go on yeah. another, another date. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> that makes sense because when you go through something scary with other people, you do feel a bond with them. That's true. And remember the show Fear Factor? People, yeah. People were paid to be scared on this show. Yeah, I, I never got that show. I didn't really have any interest in watching it, but we know that engaging in, this would be a safe type of fear, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, they knew nothing terrible was going to happen to them, even right. though they had to do all these really scary things. So the brain can quickly decide if there's risk involved. And that was a controlled type of fear because they knew they were safe. And when we get flooded with adrenaline, the fear quickly subsides. So then you feel relief and you feel okay. So I think those controlled, safe type of things are easier to deal with. Those goofy stuff like, we're going to put you in a tank full of frogs. I know. Or yeah. they had to eat these horrible, oh, it just, yeah, it's creepy. <laughs> so people do like to push the envelope, it seems like. Uh, they're thrill seekers, and they want to see how much fear they can tolerate. Yeah, and that's the idea. Obviously, I'm not wired like that, full disclosure, but I don't want to jump off of anything, mm -hmm. including a plane, like a lot of people do. But some people and a lot of our listeners are thinking, wow, I get a lot of satisfaction from knowing that I can handle those kind of scary things. I mean, we need those people, right? We need the SEALs and True. the Rangers yes. and all the people that do that. But they have something that is called a sensation-seeking personality. They get easily bored. They have disinhibition. And they like to be spontaneous. And they desire to be exposed to new things all the time. And because of their levels of hormones and that neurotransmitter dopamine that's responsible for feeling pleasure, they experience more pleasure than stress when they're put in a scary situation. Firefighters come to my mind. Yeah. They'd have to be wired this yeah, way. Yeah, they would. Because, Thank goodness somebody has that. Right, because <laughs> they talk about how much they love their job. Yeah. 
So there are some actual physiological differences. Yes, yes. These would be the people who, again, go into special forces, emergency room doctors right. and nurses, uh, and again, first responders. That's right. But one of the most concerning reasons for engaging in scary things is that some people get really curious about dark things. Mm, right. So, you know, we're going to kind of shift this conversation away from the people who like the adrenaline rush, like to challenge themselves. But we're going to talk now about the people that want to dabble in the unknown spiritual realms and think about our human nature. Think Eve. Mm. We're drawn to the forbidden. Well, well, we do need to take a quick break, and it sounds like we should. (laughs) Getting kind of scary. We'll talk about that more when we return. There's no doubt about it. We are definitely living in the text, Twitter, and email age. The handwritten note has become quite the relic. But just because we don't write much with pen and paper anymore doesn't mean we should forsake the kind and encouraging message. Hi, I'm Dr. Linda Mintel, the Relationship Doctor, and I want to encourage you to share a kind word. Even if it's a text, the power of telling a friend you're thinking of them, complimenting a success, or just saying, hey, hang in there, can make all the difference. If you've ever had your day interrupted by just a quick but genuine message from someone close, you know how a thought can raise your spirits, rejuvenate your mind, or help you stick on a difficult path because someone just cares. While you're listening right now, someone may come to mind, someone you can encourage with a few words. Take a minute and text, tweet, or email that person. Tell them you value them and the part they play in your life. It just might change their whole day. Did you know you have a conflict style? Everybody does. Are you a conflict avoider? Maybe you don't avoid, but instead react intensely. Or perhaps you are a great negotiator. Dr. Linda Mento offers a free conflict quiz when you visit her website, www.drlindahelps.com. Click on the picture of her latest book, We Need to Talk. Then have a friend or your partner take the quiz, too, and see if you can navigate conflict successfully. You're listening to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and Dr. Linda has written numerous books that you can find on her website and online. Check out her website, drlindamental.com, and her book that relates to today's topic is Letting Go of Worry. And remember, the podcast can be listened to or shared anytime. Go to myfaithradio.com or your favorite podcast platform and type in the Dr. Linda Mental Show. Dr. Linda, back to our conversation about scary things. <laughs> Say more about people who are curious about dark things. This is dangerous territory because dark things are real, they're powerful, mm. and the problem is that a lot of scary things elevate darkness and they actually desensitize us to real evil and gore. You know, the Bible tells us that our earthly struggle is against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's from Ephesians 6.12. So right there, Christians need to be alert uh, to the dark things. And Christians need to be aware that there are real demons and how every moment of their existence is spent trying to steal, kill, and destroy, according Mm -hmm. to John 10.10. Or the work of the enemy is to separate us from Christ. So evil should bother us. It should not be enjoyed. We should not be entertained by darkness that seems to hurt and destroy people and things. And a lot of times, horror opens a door to demonic things. Do you think most Christians are desensitized to this because so much blood and violence and darkness in the movies and in our culture? 
You know, I wonder about that, Chris. During the lockdown days of COVID, Norm and I talked about how many really dark movies and dark TV series were available. You know, we were just desperate to watch something that was mm, fun or yeah. comedy or something uplifting. And sometimes we'd start a series and we'd go, nope, I'm being disturbed by it in my spirit. It's just too dark. You know, when I did try a few questionable programs, I'm going to be honest, it bothered my thoughts and my sleep. And sometimes I had to pray over those images. So I was trying to be a little bit more careful because darkness can easily get a foothold in your mind, even when you don't think so. We aren't always aware of what impact it will have on us. Especially when the darkness involves the occult Mm -hmm. and when the occult is glorified or there is gore. It doesn't help uh, if you're trying to keep a pure mind. And it's not good to expose yourself to these things. I would say avoid dark things in terms of feeding your mind. If we look at Psalm 5110, it tells us to keep a pure mind, like you just said, and a clean heart. And some of these movies and shows, books, they all numb us to the reality of evil and darkness in the spiritual realm. And filling our minds with scary things certainly doesn't follow the advice of Philippians 4.8 to think on things that are excellent and praiseworthy. What about a film like This Present Darkness uh, that addresses the supernatural from a Christian perspective? Yeah, so I think maybe that's a little different because that could awaken people to the reality of the darkness. They're not glorifying it in that film. But the point I'm making is really not to dabble in things that are attracting you to evil, making it look like it's not a big deal. The problem of evil isn't something we should really take lightly. And, you know, we don't talk about it much in our culture anymore. So remember, though, Christ is in us. We have the power to overcome evil. So we don't have to be afraid of the darkness. You know, the Apostle Paul instructed the church, Therefore do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And do not have fellowship with the uh, unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. That comes from Ephesians 5. Uh, 7 through 9 and verse 11, which I did not have memorized, Dr. Linda. I read that. That's okay. But it's it's this balance of being in the world, but not of the world. And that verse is saying, expose the darkness, don't entertain it. So tame your curiosity for dark, occultic-like things. You know, as far back, if you go as far back, Chris, with Greek mythology, Zeus gave Pandora a box and a key as a wedding gift with a note that said, do not open. Curiosity overcame her. She lifted the lid, released all the forces of evil into the world. So basically, don't open doors that don't need to be opened Mm. or boxes. Right. Yeah, don't open the box. To that point, Ephesians 4.27 says, leave no such room or foothold for the devil. Uh, Give no opportunity to him. If you're exposed to scary things like horror movies, remember Paul's question to the Corinthians. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion has light with darkness? So I just want us to think about where something originates. Does it originate from God or does it originate from another source? And it's really clear that we're not to dabble in witchcraft, horoscopes, tarot cards, palm readings, fortune telling, pentagrams, medium channeling. And these are very popular Mm. on the Internet and in movies and things. But these are all divinations and those are not from God. There is an attraction to these things, but the saying, as you know, says, curiosity killed the cat. We're back to cats again. (laughs) What did we get back from that? But I think there's just so much scary stuff, and we have become desensitized to much of this in the culture, that we just need to discern well, guard our hearts, use your curiosity to study God and the good things of life. The culture is getting darker and darker, but we are the light of the world, and light breaks through the darkness. 
So be careful with scary things. If it's the rush of a skydive, that's one thing. But when it involves spiritual darkness, don't engage unless you fight against it. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Many thanks to our producer, Norm Mintel, our engineer, and my co-host, Chris Weigel, who makes this show a conversation. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone. Doing life together. Well, thanks for listening to this conversation from the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. These podcasts are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and helping us grow the impact of the Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player, and you'll never miss a show.